0: Episode fifty six of the koys Are Us podcast, or Coys Are Us, is that how do you, how do you guys say it? I usually I say Coys Are Us.
1: I say Coys Are Us, but I've heard people say Coys Are U.S. and honestly, either one works because it's us in the U.S. Yeah, right? that's the whole yeah. point of
2: it. But I, I picked it. Uh, I say Coys Are Us. Yes. Supposed be like Toys Are Us, right? Yeah, That, that's that's what that I, was the point. <laughs> that's yeah. what I tell people all that's the time. I'm hear. like,
1: yeah, it's like Toys R Us, like Toys R Us. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's nice. That's cool. I don't think
0: Toys R Us exists anymore. They went belly it, up, I think. That's why we got the pod name. They that can't did. sue us. They're
1: not around. <laughs> no, you I, believe, I believe Can Toys R Us their their is back.
0: <laughs> yeah, bring the giraffe. We've already got chirpy. We don't need a. We don't need another mascot.
1: No, Toys R Us is back, baby. Like they have an online presence for sure, and I think they have some stores in other stores. So I don't think they have their own brick and mortars anymore, but they still do exist.
3: Uh-oh, Jess is going to get us sued now. Yeah. Well, there we go.
0: Um, episode fifty six. Like I said, <laughs> we're back. Another Spurs win. Uh, we were just talking before the pod started about the triangle. Which, if you're if you're newer, the podcast you might not be familiar with the triangle this is actually based on a meme that that was flowing around social media at one point about the triangle of a spurs fan and how our hopes and dreams become a cycle where we start to believe we get our hopes up and then we get disappointed and then after we get disappointed we start to believe again we get our hopes up again and then we get disappointed again um and so that's been the 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 tottenham triangle um which has basically just been our cycle of of disappointment and when we first started the pod uh, about a year ago we were talking about like all right where are we on the triangle now are we in the disappointed phase are we in the believing in phase or are we getting our hopes up um and we just haven't really discussed it at at any point this season because it just feels like our hopes have been up since the first game, and and they haven't really disappointed yet. The only disappointing result really was the the Fulham match, and and I think at this point it feels like everyone's forgotten that game even happened.
3: Um, A quick question then, actually, is when when did you think that you went from starting to believe? To sorry, what what was the second the, the most positive one? That's the uh, I get my hopes up.
1: It's I get my hopes uh, up. So
3: yeah. That's great. But so at what point did you go from starting to believe to getting your hopes up?
0: For me personally, I'll say I got my hopes up um, just generally with the start of the season. I think like, you know, the offseason has a way of kind of cleansing all of the bad memories uh, and you get new players in. We got a new coach in and it was kind of like, all right, well, let's just see how this goes. If you recall, when we did our season preview pod, I did predict us finishing sixth. So it wasn't like I was expecting us to tear up the league. And I certainly was not expecting us to win eight of our first 10. Yeah,
3: especially this but, soon, right?
0: But I think my hopes were up just generally because I was hoping to see some more exciting football. Um, I was excited about us bringing James Madison in. A lot of the other guys, Vicario, Vandevin, were mostly unknown to me, so I didn't really have very high hopes for them, but it was just kind of like, hey, let's just see how it goes. I wouldn't say I was believing in anything necessarily, so I wouldn't say I was there, but my hopes were up generally because I just figured, you know, last season's behind us, Conte's gone, and like, let's just see how it goes. Um, but by no means was my was my expectation anywhere close to
3: w- what's taking place. What about you guys? I I think it started to really click for me because I mean I was surprised like you and I think everybody that we started off as quickly as we did. I think that we were all hopeful, uh, especially all the uh, good vibes coming out when Ange took over. <clears throat> um, we were we were all starting to feel hopeful, but I think. Probably the Arsenal game is where it's like we we were the better team. We probably should have taken all three points at Emirates. Um, I think that's where I really started thinking, like, this seems like already legit good. Like, they're they're already to the point where we were hoping they would be halfway through the season. I mean, hopefully I don't eat crow on that and that that continues because our schedule is about to get quite a bit tougher. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just can't believe like we've said this a bunch of times, but just how quickly things seem to have come together.
0: Yeah, and I feel like anytime something good happened, there was always that sense of like, well, sooner or later, like right. something bad's gonna come after it. Um and to this point, it hasn't. You know, it's still relatively early, but the season is over a quarter done.
3: And so And how many games with- do we have to left to play with maximum is it five maximum FA Cup games? I mean uh yeah, I think a, so. Um so we have a maximum of like 33 matches to play for the rest of the season. <laughs> That's like, yeah. The uh, the mass match match congestion that we've had these last few years. It's it's bizarre to both be out of the Carling Cup this early or caribou or whatever it is, and <laughs> to not be in European football at the same time is just crazy. I love how Wait, Ben calls it the caribou. Always says cup. Caribou? <laughs> carabao? Car what is it? Yeah.
1: It's, it's
0: carabao. carabao. So it's basically carabao. like an energy
3: drink. A caribou
0: I thought
2: is
3: an animal. <laughs> or
0: is it a fish or
3: is it some sort of
0: elk? I do no, like I think deer. it's, it's like, like, snow snow like, yeah. like a bull. The yeah, is like, it's of like sorts, a deer It's like an elk, yeah. I think it's it's think,
2: only in I, like Asia as well. I don't even know if you can get it. Africa, like, you can't get it in the US, I don't think.
3: But wait, I thought it was caribou for that though. I thought that was pronounced caribou. I mean, it might this? be
2: pronounced to... caribou, but it's not the animal. It's it's the energy <laughs> drink. The animals don't have enough money to <laughs> sponsor not,
3: it. It's not big caribou getting together. Yeah, and, uh... right. Big, anyway, it's like big pharma. Jesse, yeah, as the
0: exactly. as the as the resident optimist of our group, I'm sure you might be loving this even more than the rest of us. But I wonder now that everyone else has kind of joined in your optimism how is it starting to feel like a bandwagon or are you are you enjoying it or are
2: you feeling like we're stealing your swag here no first off welcome the water's fine come on in uh there's room for everybody in the hot tub next to the jets too so yeah i think um i mean i I was i looking at our pre-season predictions i said fifth um so it wasn't like i was we were all fifth except for Joel said six it wasn't like we were wildly Um, Off on that. I think the biggest thing um, for me was that uh, I I didn't. I I thought we'd kind of rally to get up to fifth. I didn't think we'd be. Again, we're at the quarter point, but I didn't think we'd be this far ahead. uh, Not this far ahead of the league, but like this far ahead of pace. Like I thought there was going to be, and there still will be. There's 28 games in the league left. We're not going to go undefeated. There's going to be some bumps in the road at some point. So. Um, yeah, it's just welcome to the, to the optimist train choo choo, um, plenty of room in the car, but yeah, I I think I started to get my hopes up. I don't know. Let me look at the, the fixture results here. I think probably, probably after halftime at Brentford, I don't know. No, 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 it was a few games because I was feeling good after the first three and then the Fulham loss was disappointing and, and, and looked like previous versions of Spurs which is going to happen. You can't just erase all these bad habits and, and stuff that we've been training for years in that style. So probably what about now though, when you look back at that Arsenal. at that
0: full match, do you, are you still disappointed in it or does it even matter?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to have at least a, a run at a trophy. Cause I think I, I predicted what well, we would have a trophy. And I thought that you know, the, the Carabao generally is the easiest in theory to to win. So Easy Spurs haven't won one in 15 years or whatever. But um I think that uh it would still would have been been nice. It's it's not it's we because we don't have Europe, it's not as if like, you know, to Ben's point earlier, we have 33 games left now. If we were still in the Carabao, we'd would have played what, two more games and had maybe have maybe another four. So it's not as if it would be playing a Manchester City level of, of competitions, you know, in the 60s or something. So would have been nice to have, especially for some of the the guys that we want to see get more run. Maybe Valise gets more run in, in that type of situation or, or Skip or whoever else, especially now with Ben her back. But no, it's not like it was like this is a devastating, you know, thing to be out of um, early. I'm thinking maybe Ben
0: keeps calling it the Carling Cup because that's what it was called the last time we won it. So <laughs> it's nostalgic. Maybe his his mind is still is still picturing Ledley King holding up the trophy uh, back in two thousand eight. I don't know what there is left to say about Angie's effects um, that we haven't already said at af- at the well, end of every match that we've had thus far.
3: Um, but Kim, what I, I, I would say were... sorry, just one thing I would just say just for again why we're hitting the ground running so quickly. Obviously, a lot of that is Ange, I, mean, I think. But I just have to say, like, I can't remember our signings betting in this quickly. Other than the the uh, the January window with Benton Corp and Kuliseski, we're to have Vicario, Vandavan, and um, I know that um, Udagi is not exactly a new sign technically this year, but him and Madison, to have those, what, four or five players all come in and be – integral you know integral to the the first team I mean they're playing better than a lot of the the, the players that have been here for longer um and maybe that's part of it it's just the, the combination of fresh blood with players and then uh just a complete different change in the mental side of things with Ange it's just I, th- I mean I think that that's a big part of why we've gotten going so quickly our, our defense is just it's crazy how strong our defense is because that's what I think I thought, I think we all thought was our defense was going to leak a lot of goals and that we probably yeah. score a lot, but we, yeah, but it's actually been, we, I would say our, our offenses look good, but our defense, our defense has been better, the better side of the ball so far, I think, or more consistent at least.
0: Yeah. And that's pretty much what Ange said post game after the Fulham match that like the defense has been better. We have a lot of work to do offensively. The offense is not doing what I would like for it to do. Um, we saw against palace you know we scored two goals one of them was an own goal which you know it's not a bad thing i think that still speaks to creating offense because you have to put the ball in dangerous positions and sometimes the defender knocks it in so it is what it is um but it, it certainly isn't us flying and scoring three four goals a game as maybe ange would would prefer for us to, um It's funny because, uh, but I think it was last week, um, I was like randomly listening to one of the old episodes that we recorded this summer, and I I shared it with you guys, and I was like, this is funny to listen to now. Um, I I wanted to ask him, because I know you listened to it as well, um, but just thinking about when we signed Ange, nobody really knew too much about him. We got some clues based on clips that were floating around the internet, or things that people were saying about him from the reporting side but I guess now 10 games in how does the experience of watching Ange Ball compare to I guess what you expected it to look like when you first started learning about him over the summer
1: you know when I first started learning about him you would hear that he you know his teams were very very attacking they they maybe lacking a bit defensively um you know he'd rather win a game 4-3 than to win a game 1-0 so like coming into it like I like you guys said before I did expect us to leak some goals because one our defense was just really really bad last year like we gave up so many goals last year so I just didn't think we'd turn over a new leaf to be as defensively sound as we are now given who we started the season with like you say our Two of the the four of the actually call him five with um Vicario, three of the five had never played in the Premier League before. Um and Poro just wasn't that great when he played in a back four. He did it once and we gave up six goals to Newcastle. Right. Um, so you know, coming into the season, like yeah, I I really just thought we'd we'd probably get up and running, um, attacking, but the defense might be where things falter. Um, but you know, putting a guy like Van Deven, like I say, every 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 week, I feel like I talk about him. He's just like a cheat code. Um, like even in the game yesterday, not yesterday on Friday, I felt like um, I felt like Davies obviously compared to dogie just doesn't have as much pace, and so I felt like there were more moments that um Van Deven had to sort of like cover for Davies, but you would never n- notice that you know that 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 he was playing again with someone else like he did everything he was supposed to do and I think to me it's been a combination of Ange and the players that have caused such this like that has ensured that we got off to such a good start so um I did think he put his armor on the players based on the stuff that I'd heard you know um talks that team talks that he had done he definitely seemed like a man manager and he really knew how to do that thing. Um, But what I have, you know, learned about him is he really allows his assistants to really take ownership of certain things. So like, it seems like Ryan Mason really has like, the attacking free kicks. Um, Yednyak has like the defensive stuff. And so he's really, and he credits whenever someone asks him about something, he seems to really credit his staff he'll bring up the staff member that is really doing the thing to work with the players. He says like, I, obviously I'm the manager, but these guys really are the ones that are putting in the daily work with these players. And so I just feel like he's, he is, is probably the best possible person we've got that could have taken this job because one, you can tell he's developing and he seems to develop managers. Um, so I feel like we talk about Ryan Mason, potentially being a Tottenham manager. Playing under a coach like Ange, he's getting to do more stuff. He's getting to actually be a hands-on manager and actually taking ownership of something. So I feel like he's not just one building up his staff. He's building up the players. He's building up the fans. Like He just has the ability, it seems, to just galvanize a club. And that is not something that I expected him to be able to do so quickly. So I would say that's the kind of stuff that I w- I have found um awesome to see, but definitely didn't expect him to sort of like put his arm around the whole club so quickly.
3: Let me ask yeah, you I something th- just because you were talking talk- van event being a-, a cheat code. Is- <laughs> so we know that he's obviously one of, if not maybe the fastest defenders, at least in the top league in the world. What what percentage of attacking players you think are even faster than he is it just seems like he wins every foot race even if the if it uh you know the attacker has a head start he's just so fast it's, it's ridiculous it really is like he seems the closest to a video game type player that i've ever seen at least at that position in real life just so I much mean, faster than everybody else
1: i think i saw one of those little like pie charts and he is like in the he was like in the 90s percentile in like ball recovery. So there's probably like 10% of strikers who or 10% of attackers who are probably faster than him. I would say something like that. Like we have yet to see it so far this year. Like I don't think he's been dribbled
2: past the entire year. Um and, and so. even if he does get dribbled past, he's just gonna catch up to him. Catch up.
1: <laughs> yes. But I think what's yeah like, like whatever
2: whenever it is the like 50- up on their
3: runs.
0: <laughs> whenever it is like a fifty fifty ball that kind of like gets sprayed out into the back. Um and then like he's chasing after it with a forward, it feels like he always beats them.
3: The forward like, or, or, the or at the
0: very least, they'll get there at the same time, and then he's has time to recover and then they have to reset. Crazy. He barely ever even has to go to ground.
1: No, and I think that's no. the best thing about him is his reading of the game is like for someone who's so young, the way he reads the game is so intelligent. Like, yes, he 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 uses his his speed, but when he does get back. He's able to nip in and take the ball. He's able to get himself between the ball and the man. Like he just, he just seems like a very, very smart defender. And that's not what, that's not something I expected. Like I just heard a lot about how he was fast, but I don't feel like enough t- people talked about the way he read the game. And, you know, he says we're being alongside Romero has probably brought out the best in him as well, because it seems like he, he said he he calms down Romero and Romero makes him more aggressive. So yeah, he's definitely brought really out the best mean. of Romero. Yeah, so I just feel like they're both bringing out the best qualities in each other because they can rely on the best qualities in each other. So it's just been—it it seems like a been to been like a marriage and like truly um, like a match made in heaven for those two as uh, center backs.
3: Yeah, and Macario throwing him in there, and I feel like he's uh, again makes it so that you're as a center back you don't you don't fear passing it back to your goalkeeper. I mean, imagine Hugo being in some of these pressing situations. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I mean, I don't like, want to early
1: early in the game, Vakari had two quick saves within, like, the first 20 minutes that made sure that the game stayed at nil-nil. Like, he seems to do that once or twice um, every game where, you know, if we're not, you know, hitting the ground running, if if the other team is able to attack, either the defense or him steps in. So we haven't given up a ton of goals Um you know, and been playing from behind too much. We played from behind a little bit here and there, but it hasn't been like we spent, like, massive amounts of time playing from behind, which we did that pretty much all of last year, and it's easier to keep a lead when you're a team that keeps the ball, so I just feel like, you know, little by little, you see where the team has really taken the Ange ball system in, and there are ways we can improve. Like, we gave up a a cheap goal um, against Palace, but, like, I mean honestly, I took that really well. It might have been a handball. I'm still on the fence of how I feel about that. But um I do I do see just an improvement all across the board. And that's not like something I expected.
0: Well, I mean, you, you talk about the defense and Vicario specifically, and it does feel like he has at least one super highlight every game. I I wonder how much differently we might be talking about our defense if he wasn't making those saves, right? Like if, if, if he lets in some of those goals, the, the, the Jesus save against Arsenal, the save that he had this past uh, week against palace, um, you know, the results of those games could have been significantly different. We're leaking more goals. If he isn't making some of those super saves and maybe we're not saying how great our defense is, which, which, which seems harsh on our center back specifically who have been really strong and i think even the uh, the fullbacks have been strong as well um but at the at the end of the day you know your your worth as a defense is always going to be judged by how many goals you let in and if if another team scores two and three goals then nobody's going to say like oh yeah spurs defense is really good so it is interesting how much um that that may be affecting things um i did want to go back to that goal that you mentioned because the end of that Palace game, you know, got a little nervy after we seemed to be kind of leading for the entire game. We we got that own goal, um, I think, early in the second half. But um, then we scored again to, to kind of have like a, a pretty comfortable 2-0 lead. So, yeah, 53rd minute was the own goal. And then Sonny scores in the 66th. We're kind of cruising to a victory, and then with time in in uh, in extra time, they score, and Palace is kind of going for it at this point. They're also at home, um, and they had a few more opportunities with uh, some possession late into stoppage time, which would have been you know some cruel um, irony after some of the games that we were able to 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 win and draw um, at late. So I don't know if that's uh. Area of concern, but I, I specifically thinking about the Jordan i u goal, um, I guess Jesse, like what were your thoughts with that? Um, I guess the goal itself should it have counted? Should it not have? Um, I'm of the sense that it probably should have counted, but curious to know if anybody has any alternative thoughts,
2: yeah, I go back and forth on like it was in very quick to me hit his chest hit his hand so i uh, i think that that is i've seen that get judged to be uh, a handball now his arm wasn't in a um inappropriately high place he was squaring his shoulders off like uh you know you're, you're taught fundamentally like you see a lot of people do but then it ended up when it the very next hit was a goal it felt like although it was not malicious or intentional or his hand wasn't in an appropriate place. it still directly then helped him control the ball that led to a goal next. So I thought that it would have been, um, should have been called a, a handball, but, um, you know, you're not going to catch me complaining too loudly about that when we've been the beneficiary of some difficult, uh, calls going, uh, the other way, chiefly the, um, the, the Liverpool offside, um, what offside, um, uh, call. So, as a football yeah, think, fan, you
0: can always complain though. Just, just yeah, to be clear. I think
2: it, it it probably was 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 again a gun on my head handball, but like and a very understandable one where it's like, I get why you you leave it on because it was they've tried to get away from some of that. At least they've I I know they've tried to get away from that that instantaneous when it's the attacker kicks it directly or the, it bounces off the attacker and then goes right into a defender's arm. They've those instant where you literally have no time to react. Like he had no time to react there, but that was my bigger issue with it was because it was a, he was the one who put his hand in that position and he had the first touch. It wasn't like someone put that, that put the ball right on him. Um, So yeah, I feel like it was a handball. Um, I'd be more upset if they ended up getting an equalizer there late banger of a goal um afterwards though, so, you know he could have put it wide or or put it right at vicario's stomach but um you know full credit to him for banging that in so um it uh uh yeah thought it was a handball but ultimately i yeah, made a little bit a little bit of uh, of a kind of a sleepy game um a little bit more um interesting and nervy down the last uh 15 minutes or however long it was it ended up being a good nervy because it obviously resulted still in three points I thought, and I could be wrong, but I thought that the rule, at least for an offensive player, was any
3: handball, no matter how inadvertent was mean, meant the goal was chalked off. If that's the case, I thought it hit his hand, so I think it you know, should have been disallowed. But I also think that rule is kind of silly. I think that the rules should play the same for defenders and offensive players. I understand why they're doing it. But, again, I don't understand why they would put in rules to take goals off the board when goals are <laughs> – hard to score, you know? So I think that it's in, in the end, I, I'm, I won't say I'm glad that the goal stood. I guess I, I a whole lot less since we won. Um, but I think that they, sh- that rule shouldn't, if the rule is that if there's any contact with the defender's hand, that the goal is automatically ruled off, no matter how insignificant or inadvertent or whatever, I think they should probably change that rule. But I think, Joel, I think when we were chatting, you were saying that you you didn't think it touched his hand, right? Because I feel like there has been, that's a whole nother. If it didn't touch his hand, then great goal. And the finish was great. Like, I'm, I'm, I would be, it would be a shame to chalk that one off in some ways, but. I mean, I
0: think after it bounces off of his chest or belly or whatever it was, like the ball kind of goes down his arm. It's, it was not, I'll put it this way. It wasn't clear to me that it did hit his hand. And I think if you're going to disallow a goal, it needs to be pretty clear.
3: Um, and I think that's what the I, rest were thinking there, too.
0: Yeah, like, it, did it hit his hand? Did it not? I don't know. And for me, it's like, if I don't know, then you really can't call it a handball. I also think about it from the perspective of, you know, if that was James Madison or Poppy Sar. I would be like, there's no way they could disallow this, you know? Like, so it just trying to be as objective as possible, I'm thinking about if they had disallowed that against my team, how would I respond to that? And I feel like there's, you really can't. I don't think there's a good reason or a justification to say that this goal should not count. Um, with that said, like I do think us being able to hold on to that win um, after the goal probably does more for the team than if it's too new. So that could actually end up being a positive, considering the fact that we had to kind of hold on and and gut it out. I'm also thinking about how we started the season and, and kind of made our predictions. And one of the things that we were talking about was who we were kind of expecting to be our player of the season or who we expected to surprise us the most. Um, I think I know Kim's answer because uh, (laughs) she's been raving, but who has been the player that you've been most impressed by this year, either based on their performance or just based on them being better than you thought they were?
2: Yeah, I think I probably I mean, Van de Ven or. Um I guess either way it's either Big Dick Mick or Big Dick Vic it's got to be one of the big dick boys <laughs> because um I mean both just new to the Premier League whoever it is yeah. they've got a big dick came That's true <laughs> with um came through with uh with you know had had some question marks when they when they entered the the league some were like oh they may not be as as good um I don't think either was the was the Spurs fan base at least top signing but have come right in and become very quick fan favorites for their, um, for their play. And uh, I mean, is just making so many g- great stops and, uh, and again, as well, both of those being positions where we were had concerns with are, already. So that may have helped their, their chances where we thought, oh, okay, these guys aren't going to be um, aren't going to be uh, are going to take a little time to get uh, to get in um, in an area that hadn't been good, or we hadn't seen, you know, great center back or keeper play for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, and at Spurs, but I think the other piece of it is there's obviously a lot more that goes into it, uh, than just, um, uh, than just, uh, goals allowed. But, um, you know, we've only given up, uh, we gave up two goals in the, in the first game and, uh, and only seven, uh, since then. Um, and so it's been, you know, not clean sheet city necessarily, but we did have, uh, have had a couple, uh you know had a couple recently or a couple in a row so it's been just good to see both of them but i think gun kind of in my head i go uh i go Vicario, just cuz some of the shots that he's been making have been have been awesome i think you know what what's one of those situations where um you know you think about it with like uh baseball a lot where uh, an outfielder that's just got a terrific um read of the of the ball and uh, off the bat and great speed um makes some catches look really easy versus a guy that doesn't get as quick of a jump off the bat and is going to be diving to make a catch and it'll look cooler, but it's also like, he should have gotten a better arc towards the ball. Mickey probably maybe is not having as many like last second breakaway saving tackles. Cause he's so freaking fast. He gets there before the danger is even happening. So Vic with his, uh, some of his acrobatic saves and mostly his facial affectations afterwards towards his team and the referees, um, He's going to be my uh, going to be my biggest, uh, biggest, impressive surprise. Love the facial so expressions. I might like the
0: facial expressions more than I actually
3: like the saves. The, the, the tiebreaker for best player is facial expressions right now. So um, I still I'm going to have to go Van event just because he changes the way everybody in the back line can play. Basically, he play he, he changes the way the entire defense, the entire team can play. Our entire defensive line can sit an extra five or more yards forward just because of this dude that's so fast that he can catch up to everybody on both sides of the field. Um, so it's hard. There's still a lot of candidates, obviously. Like Sonny has been great since they put him in the middle. Um, Madison's even better than we thought. Same with Basuma. Like I think a lot of people were really high on Basuma in that position, especially here in Ange kind of gush about him. He's lived up to that and probably more. Um, again, Madison looks even better than what I kind of thought we were going to get from him. Yeah. Um, almost everybody except for poor Richarlison. cool assessment he's been a, about what we expected i i still wish that he would chip in with some more assists and goals hopefully that'll still come but at least he is just a machine is he like the only guy that that goes 90 every game it seems like um he seems like he's the last one the, of the, the eleven in the
1: defenders usually in yeah he's well, center back
3: he, mm-hmm. The, maybe the center backs, even a couple of those have sub, so, but yeah, I, I I agree. It seems like he's he's the only forward at least that doesn't get doesn't get hooked. Which actually I do appreciate that actually that Anch has been pulling son, especially because we've we've heard he's been nursing little injuries here and there. And then trying to to preserve Madison because those are you know that's those are the linchpins as far as scoring goes for our team. Uh anyway, I digress. But uh yeah I think it's hard not to pick van de van like I said just because he he really changes the way that we're able to play
2: quick but stat update really for played. you that, uh, obviously Vic has, has completed all, uh, 10 games. Um, Van events had 899 minutes. So maybe he had one late sub and then, uh, jackie 890 minutes, which is almost 60 more than uh, the next up, which is uh Madison. Yeah. He's just an iron man out there. He,
3: he, uh, and I remember there were stats earlier this season that he was also covering the most ground. I guess part of that is he's getting the most minutes, but he just seems like he's just got stamina. And uh, I think it's really helpful. Richarlison has been good with his pressing. It's not like he's done nothing. He just he looks the most in his own head. You know, he looks the one one that is is uh, clutching if, if for lack of well, better. Well,
0: we'll get back to Richarlison for our yeah. <laughs> for our for our daily. Uh... Richie update yeah I think I know where you're gonna go um based based on what you were saying earlier but is it anyone
1: other than van de van no it's van de van um like I can't I can't help it like 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 Ben said he literally allows us to probably play like 10 to 15 yards further up the field like his speed alone allows him allows us to put more people in the box, to get more people in midfield, to actually play these inverted fullbacks. Like, I feel like the system, you remove him and put in another defender. And I worry if we can actually make this work. So I really feel like he may not truly be the most important piece we have, but I feel like he's probably my top three now. <laughs> like, it's probably Sonny, I- Madison, and Vandovan, honestly, for me. <laughs>
3: Have they, do they have they sing? Do they sing the Hey Mickey song to Mickey Vandervan? I just feel like that's a low hanging fruit there. It's got to be, right?
2: You know what? This week, Ben, they will this week. I have not heard that, but (laughs) that
0: that would be good. Um, I mean, Vandervan, Vicario, great picks. I think for me, this is probably gonna sound a little silly and probably the least expected name. Um, Charlison but god no uh, <laughs> uh i am actually gonna say son just okay, because yeah. um number one you know he's he's played striker at some points uh usually Christine. when harry was hurt back in the day uh for korea. In the, the yes, for korea yes for korea but, but i mean in the premier league yeah um to mix results sometimes he looks really good and then sometimes he'd hit those those cold patches that sonny's been known to have but i think especially coming off last year which now we're finding out he was hurt we didn't know that at the time i had my concerns about what he was going to produce this year um he's on the other side of 30 which usually doesn't make people play super better um and especially not I, he wasn't a player that I was like worried about you know like it's still somebody that I thought was going to to be able to fit into the system um but he's got 8 goals in 10 games and i think his production especially thinking about the fact that our offense isn't fully settled yet um we have 22 goals as a team and he scored 8 of them so As much as our defense is responsible for our success, I think he's been uh, kind of a one-man wrecking crew, not in the same sense that Harry was last year or the year before, the year before, the year before. But um, I think just the way that he has been scoring goals so effectively, efficiently, and consistently, um, for me, is like a pleasant surprise because that's not what I was expecting to see out of him. And I think even... Even if you had told me 10 games into the season, we'd have 22 goals. I probably would have believed you, but I would have thought that it would have been more of a scoring by committee, Um, especially looking even at the first game of the season. We got goals from like, what was it? Romero and Kulisevsky or something like that. Um, So it, it seemed like that's kind of the direction that this team was headed. And to be clear, I do still hope that that happens because I don't, I don't want us relying on one player like we have in the past. Um, But thus far, as we are still working to figure out our offense, it's been nice to see him consistently bang them in. Um, And yeah, long may it continue, especially with him playing reduced minutes. I think it makes it even more impressive.
2: Yeah, Quick call back like to you... something that we mentioned a few minutes ago. We talked about it. That it was nice to kind of give up the, that goal uh, late against Palace. Um, I just did some Googling and found shout out to soccer stats.com does what it says in the tin. Um, I just want to see how how long uh, like percentage of time or minutes uh, that Spurs have been leading or or even or behind. Because we because can mentioned you know, we don't play. We haven't been playing from behind a lot. Um, and Kimmy is bang on with that one. We've only spent 6.1 percent of the uh, minutes this year um, from behind, which is the lowest in the league by uh, by quite a bit. Uh, the next um, the next one is uh, Manchester City at 9.2 percent. So three full percentage points. Or if you're a math person, I think that that would be 50 percent more time trailing than Spurs because six uh, percent versus nine percent. Um, and then, but the interesting part is uh, Spurs are actually leading the league in time uh, spent level at fifty nine percent of the time. Um, uh, right after that is fifty seven percent, Palace, Everton, fifty five percent, Brentford, and Sheffield United. So we've only spent thirty four percent of the time winning. So I'm um, kind of interesting. Yeah, you're you're right. Like obviously, those are all different points of the game, and and ultimately you want to be leading uh, at the end, but. Um, we've had very, very minimal time uh, trailing, I and mean, especially what that was it that second Arsenal goal, but that they were still singing a song and then Sunny was back level. So um that is kind of interesting. Again, like uh, you know, if you uh, if you never uh, trail, you don't have to worry about trailing, but I think it is good to get some experience, you know, behind and seeing how things are. So, you know, what we've thought so far is it's easy to to continue playing um and style when we've been level or leading uh for 94 percent of the minutes available to us this year it'll be interesting that we have had those opportunities to be behind we don't we haven't spent much time behind um so that'll be kind of interesting to see if that if that number grows a little bit larger how we're able to um to react when we're down a goal or two
1: yeah that and and i like your sunny shout joel because when you lose your best ever player like thinking about who's going to replace him is is important and. Obviously, Sonny started on the left within a game. He was back in the middle. And like you said, in 10 games, both him and Madison have literally played out of their heads. Like, he has eight goals and one assist, so that's nine goal involvements in 10 games. Madison has five assists and three goals, eight goal involvements in 10 games. Like, that's wild. I mean, I
0: really love Madison as a player, but I've also been a fan of his for a while now. And so I think... As much as everyone seems to be surprised by how good he is, I think I maybe had too high expectations for him in the first place. Like when we signed him for forty with almost no competition, I was like, "How the hell did we pull that off?" Because I thought he was a stud from the beginning, and like, I know we went into this summer expecting to sign a center back. We got our star center back. Thank God he's as good as 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 advertised. But I was really pleased with that signing. And so, like, it's hard for me to call him as much of a surprise. That sounds silly, again, because I know Sun is a Golden Boot winner. Um, but just coming off of last year and I think where my head was with him losing that partnership with Harry, like, I really wasn't sure what son we were going to get. Um, Madison is going to be a player that can play in the middle of the pitch and provide assists. And I think the system that we play just allows him more time and opportunity to do that. Um and and it, it obviously Vicario is 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 up there as well for me because we didn't know what we were going to get for him. Um it seems like, you know, David Raya was the goalie that we were originally looking for. It didn't work out. And we said, all right, we're going to go get this other guy. And I think us as Spurs fans were kind of like Trying to talk ourselves into him being a great goalie and and look at these stats from Siri Ah and Gigi Buffon says he's great. And like it actually turns out to all be true. Like we were actually not Ging ourselves up. Like who who knew? Well, somebody knew. Gigi Buffon knew Gigi Buffon knew. So there we go. Uh we should have just listened to Gigi. I thought that was a fake quote. Then we learned that was a fake quote. <laughs> If it's fake, then I'm still gonna believe that it's true, uh, and, I mean, it, it, because it, we have it's the next one no before if it's on our team. So. <laughs> Whether Buffon knows and, it or not.
1: And yeah. I'll say, I think it was like the 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 time that we did get um, Vicario. Like we made the choice really quickly to move on, and I feel like if we would have waited too long on that, Vicario might have got snapped up by another Italian club who ended up selling. How was he only fifteen super. million?
3: Was he like priced for Italian teams, and they they just gave us the Italian well, discount? To an I would say team? that's
1: the thing. Like Italian teams usually just like send their players back and forth
2: to that each par you, for That Paratici special.
1: <laughs> um, but I don't think like I think he had a market, but the teams that would have signed him still had goalkeepers on the books that were number ones, and I was hearing I I listened to the view from the lane earlier this week. And Danny Kelly said he talked to someone from Italy and said like that the goalkeepers, the, the goalkeepers that were number ones, teams didn't want to bring in Vicario because they didn't want to bring in someone who was as good as they were Um, similar to what Ryan Ramsey were going through. Like a lot of teams don't want to do that thing. Um, And then there were teams that were like Onana got sold. So Inter probably would have bought him if he was still at Empoli, you know, towards the end of the season, but the fact that we did jump on it quickly just made sure that we got the guy we wanted and didn't have to wait around for other teams to decide they wanted him to and drive the price up. So at the time we well, the went fact for that him, we jumped- I think we were the only team that wanted to buy him at that moment, but.
3: Well, the fact, month fact that later, we jumped on it quickly it compared, yeah. compared to almost all Spurs, like protracted dealings. The fact that we jumped on that quickly probably means that we sensed that we didn't have that option for very long. And same thing with the Madison one. I, I remember talking about it at the time. We were all just surprised that he, nobody seemed to be going for him. And I think it's because – I think we said this at the time, but Arsenal had already – I can't remember if they had already gotten Havertz or not, but they definitely had already gotten Rice or had planned on – they had already spent, like, what is that, like $160 million or something between those two? And I mean then Rice was a million himself. So. Right, and I think Havertz was like 60 65 something like that. Um, but then Chelsea had some kind of weird rule about not wanting to sign anybody – you know, over the age of 25, and he was 26. Yeah, so it's like a got, very
2: hard rule that seems Yeah, very got, it got
3: removed from a list, basically. <laughs> so, um, and then it sounds like Newcastle, like his 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 partner, wanted to uh, live in London rather than, you know, like a Newcastle and who can blame her? Um, but <laughs> also, gotta give uh, honorable mentions for sure to Udagi and Poro, because uh, Udagi, I think everybody was hopeful, but we didn't really know what we were getting. Um, and to have... How old does that dude, twenty-two or something, to come over from Italy into a into the Premier League and immediately take to it like that? And then Poro, I think Kim said this earlier, but I mean, he looked so shaky in a back four. I think that even some of the people that knew a lot about tactics and player profiles did not see him fitting into an Spurs side. Um, for him to be converted that quickly
2: is uh, pretty. That's pretty fucking impressive. Oh, so Dougie's only 20, turns 21 later this month. That's crazy. But so he's going to be, does that mean,
3: sorry, that means he's going to count uh, as a homegrown player for us now, right? Mm. I think there's some, there's some rule about having so many seasons for a club before you turn 21. But I, I think, think it's like you
1: thre- actually have to play for the club. So like he didn't start playing for us until this season. And I think I thought the years to have, counted. it's like three seasons. It's definitely three seasons. You have to play three yeah. seasons prior to your 21 age season. But I'm not sure if you can be on loan for one of those seasons. I think the
3: loans count because otherwise nobody would do that, right? To come over and play it when they're 18 or younger, basically, that's the only way that would work otherwise. We can we can figure that out at a later date. Well, uh, that's
0: that's been uh, a a bit of a love fest uh, with Ange and all the players. So let's let's switch directions and talk about Chelsea. (laughs) <laughs> Joel's not liking the the positive uh, tone of this. <laughs> hey, I mean we 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 got to get to the next match sooner or later, and, yeah. and we've got a big yeah. one coming up. Another Monday game in the room, um, and we've got you know not only our London rivals Chelsea coming to town, but also our former boss, our one time dad, Maurizio Pochettino, who is now coaching the enemy, and there's been a lot of talk about whether he should be clapped with it. He should be booed. Obviously we're not in London. That's the premise of this podcast. (laughs) Um, But you know, I, I can also say as a Spurs fan of the past eight or nine years, my first year following this club was Pochettino's first year. And so seeing them, Chase titles, get to semifinals, get all the way to the Champions League final, that crazy game in Amsterdam. Um, Mauricio was, was behind all of that. And um, his song was great. I, I missed that song. It was a good song. Um, and so, just like, you know, there was very much a he's one of us feeling to Pacchettino that I think makes the question even come up, right? If this was. Conte or Nuno or even some other coach that we didn't have such strong feelings for going to Chelsea. I don't even think it would be a question that they would get booed, but I think because it's Poch, he's probably still going to get booed on Monday, but at least the question gets asked. Um, And so, you know, Chelsea's not playing the best football. They're in 11th place right now in the league. Um, They've scored like, 11 goals in 11 games or 13 goals in in, in 10 games or something like that. It seems like they've been allergic to goals. Um, They had that game against Arsenal that they probably should have won, um, but they were not able to finish. It felt like vintage Pochettino, some of the games that we lost under him. Um, And so we'll, we'll talk about Chelsea and our predictions. Secondly, but firstly, I just want to get a check of the temperature in the room, um, just around Pochettino's return. How are folks feeling about that? And jesse, you you've been watching Spurs longer than me. I remember my first Spurs match that I saw was actually when they came to the states and played an exhibition in Nashville, and I met up with um with you and your wife out there. So, as a longtime Spurs fan and and seeing Pachettino come and go. How are you taking all of this in now that he's going to be making his return as, as a rivals coach?
2: Yeah, it, it's tough um, to see. It's, it's again, not none of us growing up in London. I don't think, I mean, I, I obviously I hate Chelsea, but it's not to the same level that, that maybe some, some Spurs fans do that, that grew up in London. So I can't say that, that exactly the same, I think, you know, and, any other sports that we have, we have teams that we hate to to varying levels, and Arsenal is definitely number one. So it's not that, though. We we do hate Chelsea as well, but I mean, it's it's like we. I'm glad that we didn't. We had the opportunity. It sounded the 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 reports, and the the, the thought was kind of felt like this off season that um, that, that he was open to a call, and that Daniel just never called. So, what is the guy supposed to do? Just sit and hang out? You know the whole time. Uh, I don't know this to be true, but like his also, you know, his family spent a lot of time in London, not the exact same situation as, uh, as Matt, Mrs. Madison, who was just like, you know, Hey boo, we're, we're living in London, find a team. Um, I'm pregnant, but maybe the Pochettinos also liked, you know, London quite a bit. And, and of course it's difficult, but it's not as if like he had two offers, you know, on the table, one to come back to Spurs and one to go to Chelsea. And he was like, screw off Spurs. I hate you. Like that this was uh we always knew this was a possibility he's had success in the uh Premier League before before us at Southampton then with us um so it's it'd be different if we were offering him, and he said, you know no, I don't want to do that again i'd I'd rather go to Chelsea, but um you know it's it's one of those situations too where it's like when uh four of the or when what is it 6 of the 20 clubs in the premier league are in london this season like it's At not least. a lot of yeah it's not a lot of choices that that there, there are out there like right he's uh, especially when you think of of uh three of the six or seven clubs that he would realistically work for again in the premier league are also in london um so it was always a possibility it um it's definitely a bummer Obviously, I want Chelsea to lose every game possible, um, but you know, uh, but despite losing every game, that he, he can still be happy and have a, a successful next job. Um, well, I think I think at this point we're all just hoping that he gets sacked. Yeah, um, yeah because was, it would I, be bad for there,
0: Chelsea and it would be good for us because he won't be there anymore. So, right, if
2: I was there, I would, I would, uh, I would applaud for him. He gave a lot of really. Um, Created a lot of really terrific memories just because he's wearing a different color shirt now. Not even, he's going to be in a suit, but you know, just because he's representing a different team and a rival, I'd still be, uh, I'd still be cheering for him. Um, uh, and, and again, hope that he generally has a su- successful managerial career, just, just not while he's at Chelsea.
3: Yeah. No, I think, uh, by and large, I think I feel the same way. I, uh, I really still wish he hadn't gone to Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, obviously, um, it, it, does he, does he owe it? Him. Does he owe us anything? Does,
0: is, is he wrong for taking the Chelsea job?
3: Cause I wrong. think that's something no. that, you,
0: that you'll hear some, some Spurs fans say like, he's a snake. He should have never went there. And I think to, to, to Jesse's point, like, you know, we, we never gave him a call. So I wonder if, if any, if any of you are holding it against him for going to one of Spurs rival clubs,
3: I am to a degree, because I feel like just those two clubs are the only two that I would ask that he would not go to. But I also understand that point that if he actually, you know, was trying to come back to Tottenham and we weren't going to take him back, then I could imagine him uh, not being as loyal
2: anymore. Um, I mean, like, what if he had gone to Arsenal? Would you feel the same way, Jesse? No, I would not feel the same way. That's that's different to me. I have them on a on a different level than than Chelsea. I I understand that a lot of people may not that are Spurs fans, but that would be one that I would be I'd have more of a problem with. Especially since he now he also said it while in a happy said, mode, but he yeah. exple- expressly said I would never coach Espanol cuz I'm a Barcelona guy Barcelona. and I would never coach um and I would never coach uh, Arsenal. So like he also expressly said that. And again, it was during a happy time and all that, but but that would be different for me. But that's a hypothetical, yeah. so I don't have to think about
0: it. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I do I, think that's different to, to most Spurs I think fans. it's different, too. Chelsea and Arsenal is. are not the same.
3: They're not, but yeah. Chelsea's definitely the second worst, and it's not by that much. Um, but at the same time, I so I, I basically root for Chelsea to lose every game and, and poach to get fired as quickly as possible because then I can root for poach again. Because uh, I do want him to do well in his career, just not at Chelsea. Um if I was there I don't think I'd boo but I don't know if I I guess i would probably give him a golf clap or something
1: I'm definitely on team boo that man I'm sorry <laughs> like harsh if if I for the time being I'm a boo that man like you said <laughs> when he moves on to another job I'll clap him but for now he's coaching Chelsea like and I know you guys would say like Arsenal and Chelsea aren't on the same level. I get that. But as a fan who's only, I've only been a fan of this team since 2018. Chelsea has taken all the good things from me that I have wanted when I wanted them. So like, literally, I feel like every cup match that we had, we'd be losing to Chelsea in the semifinal. Like, I literally, I the shithousery that Chelsea put on Tottenham for the two year for like basically from twenty. And you weren't even here for basically until Asper Laquetta came, like left. I was like, he, I just feel like everything that has like incensed me about watching football sometimes, a lot of it has come from Chelsea. So Rudiger had a
0: lot to do with that too. That, that time, is true. That's that that is... how he pretended like Sonny broke his ribs. So,
1: so, like I say, like for me, Chelsea was one of those ones, like you can't go to the team that you had battled the bridge at. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't feel like you can do that. <laughs>
0: That's interesting. So, I mean, I I feel like if I was at the stadium, and the booze are gonna come. I mean, would I join the booze? Maybe there will I mean, be some I, cheers too. Though it, it probably just depends on how much booze I've had. Um, but
1: <laughs> I, at the it's same a time, game too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <you're> probably
0: lit <laughs> from a from a subjective standpoint. Uh, sorry, sorry. From an objective standpoint, I understand why he took the job um i do think him taking a job at arsenal would be a little bit more treasonous but i have a hard time feeling like he owes it to us not to take a position especially when daniel levy had no intention of considering him for our job because i do think that if it came down to it and we offered him an opportunity to come back he would have taken it hands down i mean even when he was sacked it seemed like a situation where he was like I don't really want to leave but this is just kind of the way it went and he he left the note on the whiteboard and we all saw the photo and it was all a very emotional affair and it did feel like he was moving on begrudgingly if he had gotten an opportunity to run it back I I would be shocked if he didn't take it or interview or try to get that job um, and I just get a sense that Levy was like, we're not moving backwards. And obviously Levy made the right decision. Um, he right he made the right decision not to hire Ten Hog as well, right? Like we're we're in a great position because of the thoughtful hiring decision that he made. Um but is he a snake for signing which I, I don't know if I'm if I'm that far down the road, um simply because like if I'm Pochettino and I'm looking at all the jobs that are available and Chelsea gives me a call, I'm probably going to pick up too. Um, that said, I, I won't feel bad for him if he's booed on Monday, or I should say when he's booed on Monday, because it's it's Tottenham-Chelsea, which takes us to the match. And I, I'm going to let Jesse go here first, because I know he has to run soon. But But as I said, looking at Chelsea, Spurs are top of the league, number one. Uh, with a goal differential of 13. Chelsea, meanwhile, have only scored 13 goals total. They are currently 11th in the league. Um, Another interesting tidbit about Spurs, uh, we've scored 22 goals as a team. We are one of the few teams in the league that has not scored a single goal from a penalty yet. So that's exciting. And it's also going to be interesting to see who takes the penalty uh because our penalty guy is is now playing for Bayern Munich and so we actually haven't seen who takes our penalties yet because we haven't actually had one but looking at Chelsea a team that seems to be anemic to goals uh they were able to win a couple of games they beat Burnley 4-1 they beat Fulham 2-0 um and then they drew with Arsenal and lost to Brentford um so they are a little bit up and down right now. What are you expecting, Jesse, to see from this
2: game on Monday? Uh, I'm going to go um, with a mixed, like this podcast, uh, noises in the in the crowd, some booze, some cheers. I think Poacher's is going to do a nice, like, classy kind of a, a wave, maybe a hand over the heart kind of a situation. Um, I think this could be uh, a wacky one. Um, because to Kim's point, for the most part, Chelsea is um, taking nice things from us uh, a lot. I'm gonna go with a three-two Spurs win prediction, but uh, that we're, we're down either one-zero or two-one and and have to battle back a little bit is uh, is my thought. But ultimately, uh, ultimately a win. And before I go, uh, my uh, uh, daughter slash podcast partner wanted to say one thing. Come
3: on, is that?
0: There we go. Indoctrinate them. I love it. Maybe I'm overconfident. Just because I've I've seen Chelsea play a few times this year. And they are able to keep possession for a lot of the games. They've created a lot of chances. More than most teams. But they don't really have any clinical finishers. And I think that's going to be a serious problem against them. Against us for them. Um, specifically because I don't think they'll maintain possession against us. So, if you're a possession team that can't score, how are you going to score when you don't have possession? And for me, um, I I think we're going to smash them. Like that's I'm I'm really expecting them not to score a goal. Um, and it's for me, it's really just a matter of how many we score. So yeah. I'm somewhere between two and three. I wish I could say two point five, but this is not Vegas. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three nil. Get them out of here. I'm going straight to three-nil. Let's just let's just sweep them away. Everybody's singing. Chelsea gets battered everywhere they go, and then we can just enjoy our week.
3: I hope you're right about that. I, I don't think I'm quite as confident as you are on this one just because I feel like again, this is another one of those games where it's like form. Uh, gets thrown out the table, or, you know, sorry, table form gets thrown out the window. Um, And Chelsea, I think, have been better than their results maybe have shown. Um, I haven't watched a ton of them this year to be fair, but I have seen what you were saying, which is they play some pretty good football. They just don't, they can't finish. Um, But I also do think Spurs have been playing great. And I, I, I think that this is, you know, I'm glad it's at home this game. Um, We've had, what, how many days? 10 days or something to, to prepare for this? Um, yeah, 10 so days. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I, I think Spurs, because Chelsea just played today. I don't know how many of the starters they played, but they just played in the Carabao Cup today. Um, Look at that. He's learning. Yeah, I've been working on that one. Actually, I looked it up. It's spelled differently, so you guys are definitely right. I was thinking of, like, Caribou Coffee or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm going to take Spurs 2-0 just uh, hopefully we can keep
1: that clean sheet yeah I'm like going back and forth on the clean sheet um and not I think I, I think I'm gonna go for three goals um because I think at home will like seeing the game they played against Arsenal Arsenal really wasn't that good and managed to score two goals so I feel like we could probably score more than them against Chelsea especially at home um but I feel like if they play Cole Palmer, he'll make something happen. So I'm going to give them one. So I'll go 3-1. Yeah. That that kid's actually good. So I feel like he can make something happen. Kim, we got a
0: question on Twitter about our next three matches, which are going to be Chelsea, Wolves, a short break, and then Villa. And the question was, which of those three games do you think will be the toughest? Um, Chelsea is... A home game, uh, Wolves is away, and then I think Villa is at home. Um, Yeah, Chelsea home, Wolves away, Villa at home.
1: I'm going for Wolves. Like you said, you mentioned last week, we have not done the double over Wolves, so I think it probably will be. And Wolves away at home, 1230? Yeah, I think it's going to be probably the toughest one. I think Villa will be tough, but I think Wolves, because it's away, will probably be tougher um if Neto is hurt then i probably will go villa but he's he did get hurt in the last game he is but he's talking like he might be back in line two weeks so and that there's an international break in between that game so like between now and that game so it's possible that he's healthy again by that time so like i say if he's healthy i probably well the 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 international
0: break is after the wolves game
1: Oh shoot, you're right, my bad.
0: The Wolves game is next Saturday. So we actually play Chelsea on the Monday and then we and then play we Wolves um what is that 5 days later. Um
1: Yeah, then like, yeah, like I say if he plays, if he plays then I go Wolves, if not then I go Villa.
0: Fair enough. Uh the the next question we've got, I'm going to send to you Ben before we close out and the question is about the Chelsea match. Who would you prefer that we start at the left wing. Would you stick with Richie or would you start Brennan Johnson?
3: I think I would probably start Brennan Johnson. Um Richie definitely it offers you a lot in terms of press. Um, but I'm hopeful we're gonna have the ball a lot. Um, we're playing at home. We're we've you know been very possession heavy so far. Have we, been, we even we haven't lost a possession battle, I don't think, in any of the games, have we? No, none of them. Um, yeah so I do not see us ceding uh the the possession to uh to Chelsea even though I think they like to have a lot of the ball too um and I just think that Brandon Johnson when I, I mean he hasn't had that many minutes for us so far but every I feel like he hasn't had a ton of touches or a ton of minutes but almost every time he has a touch it seems like he's been doing something with it I mean his first appearance he had that goal that got chalked off and I think he had a, a potential assist that got chalked off too I'm trying to remember and then, obviously, uh, just this past game, he basically had the—you uh, know—he had the direct assist, but he also had the pass before the pass before the assist with that. Yeah. That and what a ball by Sar! My God. Yeah. Seriously, that was a really great goal. We didn't—we didn't get to talk about that, but that was one of our better team goals of the year, I would say. Um, oh yeah. For sure. Yeah, Sara but seems yeah, I, to
1: I, really be working on that cross field pass and and putting in crosses. I feel like we I saw him putting a couple crosses into the box and he's been trying to hit that that ball um, cross field. So I feel like that's something he's been working on. It's nice to actually see some of that come off in the game.
3: For sure, yeah. And, and he actually he's he's one of the only names we didn't mention when we were talking about some of the players that are are the uh, you know. I guess what I would say like least replaceable. That's probably just because of the depth we have at midfield. But again, that dude he has been quietly very
0: good. And I think that's sometimes what you need from your midfield yeah. is someone who does not draw attention to themselves and they just do what needs to be done. And I think that's oftentimes what makes them very good is when you he's don't. Kind understand. of that old
3: Sissoko role, except that he's better at ball striking. It seems like than Sissoko at least. But well, he's kind of that shuttle type <laughs> midfielder, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't take much to be better kicking a ball than Sissoko. But, hey, he, he did a job, and Sar's kind of doing something similar. He's kind of an unsung uh, uh, player in the team right now just because he's not putting up gaudy numbers. But, I mean, this that was the Palace game, right? We had that – that I can't remember if it now Palace or Fulham, but where he tracked back, you know, 60 yeah, yards or whatever for that defensive header. Yeah, I mean, he he obviously has a motor, and that's important yeah. in, in the, the way we play. So um, It's his
0: greatest essay for
3: sure yeah um, so well long
0: may I continue uh shout out to trini bev for some of those questions on twitter um for those of you who are not already following us on twitter we are at Kois r us podcast um and we would love to hear more questions that we can answer on the next pod um hopefully when we come back next week we have nine wins instead of eight And we're gonna bash them. We're gonna batter them. I'm not worried about it. Come on, you Spurs.
1: Let's do it. Come on, you Spurs. (laughs) Come on,
0: you
3: Spurs.